Liftoff will start in T minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We have ignition. Ahoy, everyone. It's time to set sail on another episode of Unconstitutional Awakening. Luis is joining me this evening as we welcome back members of the uh, Pike Off OTA. I'm sure you guys remember Mike up there, and he brought two new friends with him this evening, Whitney and Kelly, because Mike to- Mike asked me after we did last, week- last week's episode if uh, I wanted to get more in-depth in some of the corruption and stuff and the history of the corruption and everything that's going on out there where you guys are in Oklahoma and with all these turnpikes and all these road projects and stuff, and I was like, Absolutely. That's right up my alley because corruption is something I like to point out. You know, there's different kinds of corruption everywhere and you get called a conspiracy theorist for pointing it out. And then when it becomes true or you have facts to back it up, they're like, well, crap, I guess you're not a conspiracy theorist anymore. You're just somebody that needs to shut their mouth. (laughs) Anyway, of course, it's uh, I I figured it'd be a good idea to have them back on this evening and Figured you guys would enjoy it too. I had some, I gotta say, I had some pretty good ratings off that episode. I, I wasn't sure how that was gonna go. I've not held too many people that are out here making a stand like this, and it it did pretty well. I was looking through the reviews of it this uh the other night, and I was like, man, it's like these guys are definitely somebody I need to have back on just because you had some good information. And I had a lot of folks reach out to me from your area um that already follow me anyway, and they were like, Man, you got you guys are spot on with what's going on over there. So you guys are obviously making some good movements out there, and I think that's a good thing to know about. But before we get too divulged into everything, you guys know I got to make those plugs that I have to make on every one of these episodes. You guys need you to get over there and uh, check out our sponsors for me, if you don't mind. You got Kirk Elliott, PhD, forward slash Jim Bob, forward slash. And you can get over there and get yourself consulted on some gold and silver and uh, and some other like investment type stuff. He's a real, uh, Kirk's a real good guy, man. You guys could go reach out to him and see what he can do to help you out. You can also jump over there to Peachy Key Creations, get yourself some homemade soaps and some homemade candles. Uh, you know, and she's also an energy healer, so there's all kinds of good stuff you can get from her. Here's her most recent uh, set of candles. We've got peach scented, and they they are fantastic, you guys. You should really need to check those out. You can also jump over there and uh, for all of your survival needs and your uh, plate carriers and such like that, you can check out Ammo Can Survival. He's a young kid over in California doing some real good things. You guys just uh, get over there and get you one of these new ghillie suits that he's been working on. He just kind of premiered those today, if that's the kind of thing you're into. But that's Ammo Can Survival. You can find him on uh, Instagram. He does have a website, but he asks you to please reach out to his Instagram. And and of course, our newest and... uh, our newest one that you guys have uh, I've been trying to plug for everyone is my buddy over there with Brett Pike with the uh, Homeschools Connected and ClassicalLearner.com. He's uh, found a way to bring homeschool to the internet and teach people all over the world. And he's a, he's a real good guy with a real good passion. And I advise you guys go over there and give him a check out, especially if you're pulling kids from the, the indoctrination camps, as I call them, because public school has done nothing but fail us. And I'll stand behind that statement no matter what I, no matter what anybody says to me. But uh, last thing, of course, you guys go over to UnconstitutionalAwakening.com and click the link. You can get over there and find our Unconstitutional Awakening merch. It would really be great if you guys could, you know, help support the show and stuff and rock some of this cool gear that we got. It, uh, I've already heard some good things from the reviews we got, so it's definitely some quality things. And you guys see me wearing it from time to time. 
But anyway, I'm going to shut up about my nonsense, and we're going to jump on into the rest of this stuff. First things first, how is everyone doing this evening? Fantastic. Yay. Yay. Luis, how are you doing over there, buddy? Live and well, thanks. <laughs> good, good, good. I know, I know you got a lot going on up there in New York. Y'all are always in the news for something else left and right, ain't you? Yeah, it's fun. We, we have no justice system. We just have a revolving door. Well, you know, it's funny that you, and, you know, it's funny you made mention about having no justice system because me and Mike were sitting here talking beforehand and he was telling me that a lot of the, uh, the stuff you guys had for me this evening was to deal with kind of how y'all's whole entire system seems to be corrupt. Not just these uh, folks out here building roads with and, and taking bribes and such like that. So I guess I'll start with Whitney. You, you seem eager to get onto it. Well, I want to show you something that I found really early on when we started talking about all this stuff. And so I'll just share this really quick. Can you see that screen now? Sure can. Map of the United States. Of course. Okay, so there's like three different categories here, and we are involved with this one on the right, which is prevention. Um, then there's the large scale cap over, and then there's the removal. And you see that nationwide, this is something that is starting to be paid attention to. And it's even included in the Biden infrastructure bill that there is money set aside. I think it's $200 million or something like that for the next five years just for highway removal, um, particularly, in, particularly in communities where the highways were laid in a way that disenfranchised people and cut them off from their communities and cut them off from grocery stores and you know schools and just made it harder to live life unless you had a car. And the best example I think that we can think of when we're talking about a community that was affected like that is New Orleans and what happened with Hurricane Katrina. You know, a lot of people didn't have cars. So if you didn't have a way to get out, you were stuck and you were standing on your roof waiting until somebody could come get you. And a lot of people died because of that. And so Oklahoma situation, we're not going to have a hurricane. You know, it's a lot different, but Oklahoma's history and the rushed nature of taking and land grabbing that has gone on since the boomer sooner, which we all glorify on Saturdays or whatever day they play those games. It's been perpetual. And now that it's affecting a community of people who are not necessarily minorities, everybody's upset and they should have been upset many, many times ago. And they went little, little known fact, actually. The the highway infrastructure that, you know, Eisenhower signed in back when all of this, you know, national interstate system started was actually a military operation for defense. Mm -hmm. Like that was that was actually the reasoning behind doing a lot of it. It wasn't as much as connecting people as it was giving the military easy access into all of these small towns. And he did it with a book. It was it was a yellow book of maps and so there was so much arguing before that happened and all these different senators and representatives kept rejecting it and rejecting it well finally they just set this book down on everybody's desk and it had pictures with it was the yellow book and then all of a sudden it was like oh okay we can do this and yeah you're right and he was a military commander who put other military guys in positions 
where the whole thing became really, really structured. And I mean, Michael's a military person. My husband's a military uh, guy. They're just a different type of, you know, structure <laughs> and get things done. Absolutely. A lot of the guys over here on, on our crew on Unconstitutional Awakening here, they're, they're actually former military. We've got, we, it's pretty regular to have some good military conversations on here. We, we even have nights set aside for that kind of conversation. <clears throat> but anyway, you can, you, uh, you can go on and continue with where, where you were going with that before I interrupted. I do apologize. No, you're fine. Um, you know, when we got into all this and when I started realizing there's like a national movement going on, you start exploring into it and you learn a lot about just systemic racism that has, you know, plagued our country. And Oklahoma is kind of its own ball game because of what happened with the boomer sooner, you know, that whole thing when David Payne brought all these people some of them came in early and cheated. Some of them came in when they sounded the alarms off at noon and, and, you know, everybody rushed in. And so Oklahoma city became a city overnight. And what I think is super interesting. And, you know, if you guys just keep these names in your mind and look them up later, but there was two people, William Henry Twine and Sarah Rector. And I'm from Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma. And I will tell you, knowing my, my state's history, those are my two favorite people. Uh, William Henry Twine came to Oklahoma with his family. He was an attorney. He established a city or a town um, near Muskogee, which is a whole corruption ballgame of itself. But he made it this town. He had newspapers. He was a lawyer. And he was a black guy. And he actually was really close by to Sarah Rector's uh, father. And at one point, Sarah Rector's father tried to sell her land. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen, but she had been allotted land during the Dawes Act and they couldn't pay the property tax on it. And so they were gonna, dad was gonna sell it. And however, it didn't get sold, flash forward, Standard Oil uh, hits oil on Sarah Rector's land and she becomes overnight the richest woman in Oklahoma but she was a very young black child. And it made the white people so uncomfortable that they had to register her as a white person. And so all that's kind of going on in the background. And then you had the twin territories. It was uh, the state of Sequoia, the state of Oklahoma. William uh, Twine actually went to Washington DC with a group of Republicans and they were all either natives, Creek, or they were black and they begged President Roosevelt not to sign the single statehood. They thought that he listened to them, they came back and lo and behold, he didn't listen to them. He gives the state of Oklahoma over to the Democrats basically. And at that time it was very different. They were not the Democrats of 2022. They were the Democrats who were fighting the nation who wanted to preserve slavery you know, they were the rebellions and Charles Haskell, who became Oklahoma's first governor, was not just a rebellion. He was a corporatist railroad laying um, construction guy who in, instilled Jim Crow laws the second that he had the opportunity to, which is exact, exactly what Twine was in D.C. saying, please don't do this. They're going to 
enact Jim Crow laws and Haskell promised Roosevelt that they weren't going to do that. Well, of course they did. And why does that matter now is because our established government, our universities, our courts, our, our law, like our legal system, all of it got a really, really racially tense start. And, you know, like I was saying about William Twine, he was an attorney before Oklahoma became a state and OU did not let black people back into law school until like 1948, 1949, somewhere in there. So the, the kick in the, you know, face that threw these people back decades took a really long time to repair. And the reason this even came into my mind, there's a thing called um, shareok.org. You can just read people's thesis papers, which has for whatever reason become a hobby of mine. And there's a couple of them about urban renewal. And what Oklahoma did with urban renewal was go and take blighted neighborhoods and wipe them out and put down, you know, OU medical center, or they would destroy the Biltmore hotel to re rebuild a hotel or whatever. But all this stuff was happening and nobody was paying attention because it was happening to minority communities. And now we're living with the consequences of that. If we had stood up for those communities a long time ago, maybe our government wouldn't have so much power to just take whatever they want without retribution. Well, I think they actually did. I think um, I've been listening to that Boomtown book and, and they actually, the people in a lot of these instances were not happy. Um, like with the MAPS project, I think, or what you were talking about, the um, the rejuvenation or, or whatever. Yeah, the urban yeah. renewal, where he talks about how they came in and they were, they had this grand idea for the gallery and mall that was going to be, you know, multi-blocks wide and long or whatever. And um, so they, at first they were only going to take these neighborhoods um, that were run down. People weren't living in their homes anymore there anyways. And so they, they kind of pitched it as that, that they were going to go in and clean all of that up and, and replace that with, um, you know, safe, uh, I don't know, what are buildings and things that would draw people to the city to spend money and uh, make it a place where people would want to come and gather. And then they, they got it approved and then, of course, once they started, they were like, oh, actually, well, we're going to take twice as much land. And so then that kind of encroached upon where the middle class neighborhoods that were in the surrounding areas. So those people lost their land as well. Um, so here you have a project that started out small to get people on board. And then, of course, they took it an extra step and made it twice as big. And then the people tried to push back. But it was already too late because the deals had already been done. And, well, we've already got all this 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 stuff already in the works. So you can't stop us now. Um, and that's exactly what we're seeing with the turnpike. Well, mm -hmm. we've already got these people paid off. Well, we've already got these contracts signed. And, well, we've already done this. So you can't stop us now. This, the, I, there is so much here that coincides and even sounds a lot like when you're researching into the... Uh, the whole Tulsa race riots and things that happened mm -hmm. there when they destroyed black wall street, like that it's a lot of like similar stuff, like the people paying off certain people and things happening, whether or not people approved it or not. And just enticing things aside from the fact that it hasn't reached a point of violence yet. Sorry. Well, I think it has, I think it has. I just think that 
we've had our newspapers here in Oklahoma, doesn't matter if you're in Oklahoma City or Muskogee or Guthrie or whatever, the most powerful people have always controlled the news. And so nowadays where we're like, oh, they're, they're controlling the news, they've done it forever. And, and they control the history books too. So, you know, when I grew up here in Oklahoma, they didn't teach revolution or evolution, excuse me. So we didn't learn that. Uh, they definitely didn't tell us that there were black lawyers before Oklahoma became a state. It was always this different narrative. And I think that it's perpetuated this cycle of our voters. And, and I could get deeper into this with the way that Oklahomans have voted, but our voters will vote in unison, whether it's Democrat or Republic, Republican. And it's usually based on issues like racism. And the first time that the Republicans got the presidential vote from Oklahoma was because the Democrats spoke out against the Klan. And so it, it's been something that's been going on. And even to the point where, like, this was happening up until the late 60s. Um, me and Kelly, we both have been listening to the book called Boomtown. And there's a, a woman named Clara Looper. She was a, a black woman who got to go to OU. She, I think she was a history major at OU. But she had already kind of created this movement that was going through Oklahoma City. They were marching on Nichols Hills, which was a covenant neighborhood. I don't know if we, uh, you know, neighborhoods in Oklahoma still had covenants until the civil rights movement, which was late 60s, when they actually had to uh, enforce those things. So they were marching on all these different towns. And um, I think you'll remember Martin Luther King, I think he died in 1969 or 1968, one of those two. But he was at a, uh, like a trash workers strike. And that's when he got killed. And so across the nation, a lot of people who worked in sanitation and garbage collecting started striking, including here in Oklahoma. And so Clara Looper and the garbage truck drivers were striking. And the mayor at that time was Mayor Norick, white guy, of course, told his white man, city manager, fire all of them. So the one job that the black men could get, you know, pretty easily, they all got fired. And so then they had to bring in scab workers because Oklahoma City's trash started piling up and it started stinking. And Claire Looper laid in front of the garbage trucks with the black uh, garbage strike workers to prevent that from happening. Yeah. So that was Martin Luther King. But that's not that long ago. I mean, my parents were born in the 60s. Like my grandparents were a part of that horrible time when people treated each other like that. And so when we go to these transportation meetings and, and we have tears streaming down our faces or we're telling them about how important our property is and how, how much this all means to us and they just stare at you blankly, like you're not even the same class of human, it makes you start looking at the past. A hundred percent. Like, I, I mean, that, that, I mean, that, you, my journey started when I, my journey into looking into everything started when I was 12 years old. And a Baptist church told me I was going to hell because my ears were pierced. And I, it, 
it sent me in a tizzy and it sent me down this path to where I am today. And, you know, cause you just start looking at all this crazy history. And when you start making these connections, I'm not a person who believes in coincidence. So when you start seeing these things line up, like there, there's, there's a reason that it lined up. There's a reason that certain things happened a certain way or the, the, the play fell that certain direction because these people that are in control of the media and the school books and Lord knows what else wanted it to play out that way. Like, you know, they're, they're making these decisions for you guys, you know, without your consent. And that's why it's such an uphill battle for you to fight back in these situations, because the way these fat cats with their padded pockets are already looking at it as well, this is a done deal. We've already made it. And, you know, it's, it's going to take, a monument to something to stop it but of course that's where enter you guys like you know you guys have you know as i learned last go around talking to the crew that was in here last time which mike i appreciate every last one of you that piled in here that last go around because that was a blast having just all those different faces <laughs> on here and just carrying on like i like dave and randy they're both some <laughs> funny fellas like <clears throat> so so I guess, you know, when you really get to digging into this, because, you know, I've looked around a little bit myself, too. You can also see there was a bunch of, in the history of these roads and stuff out in y'all's area, there was also a bunch of displacement of not only, like, the African-American community and such, but also your Native American community. Like, it seemed, <laughs> I've seen a bunch of affected stuff by even them throughout the years with that stuff as well. It's Go if you ever just need to really go down a rabbit hole. Go look up the Dawes rolls, the D A W E S rolls, and just look at the names. And and you you know there was a point when I think his name was Charles Dawes or something. I might be getting that mixed up, but they opened up the rolls to anybody who wanted to sign them. And the Indians were afraid to sign on to it because they didn't want their children being sent to boarding schools. They were in the process of this mass assassination. And so all of these opportunists from other states started flooding into Oklahoma and claiming to be Native Americans, and they ended up with land. And that land grabbing of the natives, especially the ones who didn't speak English, went on for a very long time because they would get them to sign something. All of a sudden, they're in court, and they're having to rely on justices and judges who are being bribed. And yeah, I mean, it's horrible what they did with I, the Indians. When you when you pull up, and of course, you guys know I'll share. You know, I'm good about sharing all the links of everything we go through over the evening and such. When you do look up this Dawes rolls, you can see that it affected people of the Cherokee, the Chickasaw, Choctaw, Muscogee, and the Seminole, all just in like the Oklahoma historical area from 18, 1898 and ended in 1907. But there was still names added to it as late as 1914. So even though they officially claim to have ended it in 1907, it, it seems that it continued probably exactly like you just said there through manipulation, especially dealing into somebody that probably didn't speak a lick of English. So they just tricked him into Lord knows what. I hate to speculate about our governor who I appreciate so much, but when he gets up there and talks about being a native American, I just have to kind of think about the dolls rolls and wonder. <laughs> Good Lord. But that was just a speculation. Just That's speculation. Not, no, not no, fact. no. You're, you're, you're allowed to speculate. It's quite okay to speculate. It's speculation is what, is what brings you to a lot of these questions. I see you up there smiling, Mike. You seem kind of quiet this evening. What you got for me? Oh, I'm just dazzled at uh, 
the uh, the amount of talent and the the knowledge that's based in the team it, it blows my mind to hear these uh, recollections of history that I mean this is the first time I've hear I'm hearing of a lot of it and it's uh, it, it's truly eye opening um, you know it's it's it, I know that uh, you know we we mentioned on the newspapers but um, well there's a there's a story that uh that Whitney dazzled me with uh, the newspapers if I care to pull that one up sure sure I've, I've, I've still got the screen share for you guys unless you want to send it to me i can pull it up on my end all right well the uh was i think it went back to uh i think it ultimately went back to haskell lemon mm-hmm. uh, now you'll have to, to chime in here because if i try to regurgitate it myself it's going to be atrocious and somebody would probably get sued <laughs> Haskell Lemon Construction Company? I'm not saying that they're part of a construction company in today's world. <laughs> hey, I just did a Google search. That's just what pops up for me. I just As soon as you type in Haskell Lemon, I didn't even have to type it all the way in. They were listening on, in on this one for sure. And it says they've been doing their business for 70 years in that area. Which is about the time that the Turnpike Authority came around. So you're putting those pieces together, right? Right. Connecting those dots. Absolutely. Absolutely. They don't even try to hide it. That's what's so crazy about it. They're not no, a shit. They, they literally went around and named streets and lakes and reservoirs and like everything in our state is named after the worst people. <laughs> like Stanley Draper. Just go Come ahead on. and Google him. He's a fun one. He's huge here in, in our state and uh, especially here in the Oklahoma City area. And ironically, this, this new alignment that they want to put in is going to run right around Draper, which, Whitney, do you want to finish that one? But uh, he, he's quite well, a character. He's like, yeah. he was just a bully. I mean, he would go around wrecking whatever he wanted. He was so arrogant. He wanted to build a mountain. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah 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 I, I i know who you're talking about now yeah you were correct so he he was the one who came into oklahoma and and wanted to make oklahoma city this huge metropolis he wanted this to be a place of commerce and so um he started the chamber right whitney well i don't know if he started it but he was really big on it he came and- to uh, it says he came to work for it in 1916 so it mm-hmm. did already exist prior to him, but okay. he put it on the map, I believe, from what I'm reading. Okay. So, yeah, he was huge with it, and he they built a road. What was it? Um, US-62, I think, was like Draper Parkway or something. and, um, and Right I, in the middle of Oklahoma City, where they had to take out Blight, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, no, look up. Jim, look up John Hollis Bankhead. <laughs> there he is. Well, there's a few of them. But the original, are we looking for the original one from... There should be an Encyclopedia of Alabama that popped yep. up. Yep, yeah. that's exactly what popped up. All right. Alabama, yeah. So this guy... 
if you go to o or uh, the DOT, like national website, they'll tell you who John Hollis Bankhead is because he's the father of uh, Good Roads, I think is what they called it. But, you know, second paragraph, last line, he was in the clan. Oh, yeah. And if you scroll down a little bit. The father of Good Roads, yeah. The, uh-huh. It looks like he started. A, it wasn't just uh, there's a, quite a few places that he's done things in Texas, Alabama. So go all the way down mm-hmm. until you see a picture of like an old car, the Good Roots, Good Roads Movement. It'll be on the left side. Like an old truck with some tires or something in the back. Look and look and look at an old truck with tires in the back. Oh yes, I actually found it, and I can pull it up for everyone to see. So I sent this to Michael a little while ago, and then I actually read the whole thing. And the picture that's right underneath that one is the Bankhead Tunnel construction. And if you look at where it says, uh, among his congressional achievements, he procured funding to construct a dam on the Coosa River to facilitate navigation and water power generation. He encouraged the construction of a nitrate plant in Muscle Shoals during World War I to manufacture explosives and fertilizer. Well, who's he manufacturing explosives for during World War I? It's not himself. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, my family has property in the line of the turnpike and we have a pond named Muscle Shoals so just being vain when I was reading this, I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> but this is the guy that, you know, there was a lot of guys like this. And in Oklahoma, too, especially our early leadership, there was a lot of people who maybe they weren't Klan, but they were Jim Crow. And if it was still going on up until 1969, why do we think it ended there? They had a head start. They had millions of members paying dues to whatever thing they were involved in, whether it was the ACLU or the KKK or, you know, whatever you were involved in. There's at our Western Historical Society, you can go through all these dead people's diaries and just see like all the different things that they were signing up for and just paying like $5 a month here and $10 a month here. And in today's times, I'm like, you need to cancel your subscriptions. You have way too many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So, and so, I mean, I guess with digging all of this, do you, you know, is this the kind of fuel you're going to bring to use? You know, is this the kind of stuff you're trying to use, I guess, in, in your fight of the current turnpike system? No, because they'd put us in a nut house. This is our long-term history dive that we're going to take on the big project when we put something together and it's whether it's a book or a movie or a website or whatever yes we will bring it up then but if i just show up at the oklahoma transportation commission and start show up in a hood and call them clansmen no i they'll put me in a nut house i can't do that (laughs) you need a pirate hat you you get a lot further with a pirate hat (laughs) i don't know i think it would be funny to show up in a robe i'm like it's ramadan (laughs) But it is relevant to what we're doing right now, though, in the fact that it it shows that our state has a history of following the exact same narrative over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. It's trickery. It's um, the people who are in power 
tricking the people into voting for things or approving things that um, they make sound tempting or um, enticing at the time, and then they change it um, afterwards. And, and then when they can't get the people to agree with what they want to do, then they just ram it through. Mm-hmm. And, and we just see this over and over again. So there's this, this pattern with our history and, and it doesn't change. I and mean, they, they literally do the exact same thing over and over and over and over again. And so I don't know how we break that pattern other than to draw attention to it. But I think the biggest piece, um, to bringing up this history is that if we can connect the the past to what's happening right now, mm-hmm. then we can show that there is credibility to what we're telling people. Because right now, like what Nita said, if we kind of showed up with a, you know, a clan's hat or whatever, then they would just, <laughs> that I still think that there are a lot of people who think we're blowing this out of proportion, but we're not. We're trying to get people to wake up and see that we're being taken advantage of as a people in general, not just the people of Cleveland County, not just the people in Norman, not just the people in South Oklahoma City, not just the people of the Kickapoo, but our entire state has been run over and steamrolled from day one. And they just continue to do that. And so if we can show that they're doing the same thing now that they've done 20 times in the past, then that gives credibility to what we're trying to explain they're doing right now. It's just that they leave such huge gaps in between these projects that people forget. Um, and they've, they've made the rules. So like they, they know the rules so well that it's hard for us to prove they're breaking them. And in 2018, I, or I recently, I met with the director of ethics commission and she explained to me that in 2018, for whatever reason, our legislature got mad at the ethics commission and cut their funding. So I had papers from earlier about uh, 2022 to 2023 transportation budget. It was like $465 million. It was ridiculous. That wow. budget for the ethics commission is like $700,000, which is still a lot of money, but not when a lawsuit costs 250,000. You can only go so far with that. So they've made these rules they know them so well that they know how to break them. And Kelly's right. Like every so often we purge our lawmakers. We purge our Supreme court justices, you know, in the sixties, they got rid of almost half of the Supreme court because of bribes in the eighties, 220 County commissioners were convicted of kickbacks for road supplies. And then back up up to those Supreme court justices. You missed the best part, Whitney. Are you getting to it? Are you going to talk about it? Well, the Supreme Court justices are the ones who ruled on the very first Oklahoma Turnpike Authority cases. Mm-hmm. And, and when after, was that? that was like 1950 to 1956, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then in 1960, when they were like, oh, you guys have been taking bribes since 1938. They went back and looked over the cases to see which ones had bribes attached to them and they retried them they should have thrown them all out and i know that would have been an incredible amount of work but just on the side of fairness and justice especially for the actual people of oklahoma who don't live and breathe the three branches of government it's it's just irresponsible it doesn't make any sense so what you're saying though is that some of the supreme court justices that ruled on some of these um turnpike authority um, statutes were yes, justice eventually Welch kicked off. Right, yeah. they were kicked off of the Supreme Court. They went to prison. 
Right. <laughs> but you so, really don't hear about that happening too often. So well, that's actually a win. Now. So some of some of these some of these judges who um who got us in the situation where we're at right now with with the the laws, the statutes for the the you know govern the turnpike authority, they were taking bribes, right? And right. so yeah. And you can tell they were covering their asses because the the opinions they wrote were like a hundred paragraphs long. Like you don't need to talk that much <laughs> to say what you're saying as a judge. <laughs> true. Very so true. it makes you wonder though, should we nix all of the turnpike statutes because or everything that they they ruled on? Because I mean how do we know that it was not without issue? And what what's I, I sent Kelly a text last night and I was like, man, I've had this law review sitting on my desk for like three weeks and I knew I needed to read it. And I finally did. And after everybody saw what the Turnpike Authority was getting away with, well, then the capital, they did a capital improvement authority and they started building all their own buildings. And then the colleges started doing it and they started building dorms and building these nice I mean, you walk on OU, like you think you're at Harvard, I guess. I've never been to Harvard, but it's just beautiful. The campus, the buildings are huge. They built that stuff knowing that the kids were going to pay it back. Mm. Oh, yeah. Can oh, yeah. Cancel the debt. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, they, they, a lot of the same things happen when you start building like, uh, you know, new stadiums and stuff like this. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd like I was pointing this out during the last time I had some of your folks on and I, and I'd like to point it out again that I I don't think that that corruption that you're speaking of and that you're finding is secluded just to Oklahoma like I I you know I can find it in places like Texas I can find it in places like New Orleans I know I can find it up there in places like New York where Luis is at and I just don't go to Atlanta I'm out here in the sticks and I intend on staying in the sticks because Everybody out here in the country is pretty easy going and 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 you know with each other. We closest interstate to us is quite the ways up the up the road. So, like it's just it's not that I don't worry about these things. It's because I do. You know, I I you know like I know that the interstate was was built to make it easy for the military to ever access me if they needed to and stuff like that. And and now that you see that they have privatized it in such a way that you know your you guys are you guys end up paying for your own demise in a in a way you know not only are not only are your children's children going to pay for some of this stuff towards this but even you by the time it's built or even ones that already exist you know you have to pay I, I this blows my mind you have to pay money to get to your destinations when you're using these interstates you know i've traveled through a lot of places that have toll roads and turnpikes and such like that over here on the east coast pennsylvania uh, virginia west virginia area um even new york state has you know a bunch of toll roads and it's just one of those things that has just always blown my mind like the only pay lanes we have down here are the fast pay lanes and even i think you got tricked into that crap too because I remember when they passed the law for my tax dollars to pay for that tax lane for that pay lane that was supposed to be a highway widened job, but turned into pay lanes. And it's just like it's just like how much longer do we have to continue to be duped and goofed by these dorks up in you know whether it be Washington or whether it be Oklahoma State, Georgia, you know 
New York State, wherever it is, you've got all these complete goofs up there that are just trying to pad their own pocket and don't give two craps about the people that they claim that they're representing. You know, and even, you know, you guys made mention of a purge. It's funny that you make mention of a purge, but yet you can tie all of this stuff back together to some of the same stuff. It's even like that even though you made a purge, somehow, somewhere, somebody stuck and was able well, to... Well, didn't you say... Didn't you say on the last show, you guys mentioned Los Angeles, right? And all the yeah. pavement that went on there. So, you know, talking about Oklahoma City, when they destroyed the east side to build the University of Oklahoma's healthplex, if people are living in homes that don't have air conditioning and don't have window seals, do you think they can afford to go buy another home? No, right. they ended up homeless. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out where the homeless population came from in Los Angeles. I'm not saying they all came from blight, but I guarantee you a good portion of them did. And yeah, sure, it, no. it's just frustrating. Like they, they, they do a better job. At, they do a better job at creating homelessness, I think, than anybody else. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's homelessness is something that runs rampant around here through the United States. And it's actually a touchy subject that people get upset with me about me about because i'll be the first person to tell you why the hell are we building all these new damn homes when i can show you thousands of them sitting empty why are we building dog parks in norman if we don't have a homeless shelter that's a great question i i mean Nim nimsies not in my backyard <laughs> yeah not in my backyard those are the worst scum of the earth there's a really good um documentary i can like it's it, the everything the housing crisis is the everything problem mm -hmm. uh, they really go in deep into the global supply shortage of homes and to give you context in the netherlands yeah there's wait list just to get a home and if you're going to certain schools if you don't have a house they tell you you can't come here there's no place for you to go to school here there is no housing available so there's places where there's massive housing shortages. And in the United States, we have essentially infinite space in relationship to the amount of population we have, because the entirety of the United, the world could fit in this Texas. Listen, I the believe density of New York City. I, 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 I look at, um, you, you know me, Luis, I'm always looking at random stuff and I'm big into looking at uh, like foreclosure and tax lien properties because I don't think the state should be owning things like that. And I love to pass that information on to other people to get, you know, cheap state owned properties and stuff that pe other people have lost and such through maybe not even their own means or maybe even the means of the government causing usually them to sometimes lose Sometimes people die. And yeah. The, or even, the, the or even people members, dying don't want family it. Members. Yeah. Yep. It, that's, and it that just sits there. Mostly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And, and or so, they don't know what to do. They have no so, idea what to and do. And so think about that. You know, like like I, I see on a regular basis when I do have to travel out close to Atlanta and stuff delivering appliances, you'll run into a massive we we got a pretty good homeless population up towards Atlanta. And as you get closer to Atlanta, the metro Atlanta area and stuff, they're they're running rampant. And like I'm I'm always the first person that I'm like, well, then why do I pass and deal with thousands? And I'm not joking thousands of empty houses all over the state they're just rotting away because you know the state's just like well you can't go there it's trespassing and all they're doing is trying to wait for their time limit to be up because because there's a bunch of bylaws and a bunch of stupid stuff that they've you know passed this goes back into what we were a little bit what we were talking about last week mike about the eminent domain thing i know here in georgia if a property is abandoned 
for what they considered abandoned. It doesn't have any hookups or anything to it, whatnot. For 18 months, it becomes the property of that county. Why? That's fast. Why? Like, that's that's garbage. Like, that, it's, that's... It's fast, and, and I agree with you, but <clears throat> Oklahoma's got some cities like this, too. And it, I think, you know, I travel all over the state because I help people who are on Social Security and Medicare. And there's one town in general in Southwest Oklahoma that every time I drive through, like, it's just kind of gut-wrenching because the whole street sides, like, you can tell it used to be a cool town and you used to want to live there. And now it's just, like, shattered glass and busted up sidewalk and boards. Buffalo, New York. And the people that live there, I'm like, where do you get groceries? Like, where, where do you get anything here because the compensations don't come close to the current how are they gonna sell it like they can't sell it they're like yeah i own my house outright but it's worth 12 grand (laughs) so i don't know i do agree with you but i'm i don't completely think eminent domain is a bad thing i think that there's times when eminent domain can be used properly yeah and when i'll always disagree with like that just simply because i don't think the government owns the right to anything that someone else has at, at, well, no well good time for the that. Native Americans would have told you that none of us own the right to any of this stuff and that it should have been communal property. And it was until the boomer sooners came. So it's, I agree. And, and, and until people agreed to let eminent domain happen. I mean, that's how they lost their land. Like, yeah. that's just I, You've I, never I, seen uh, the image of the monkey, the ape speaking to the human and the the human like the monkey comes back to the human because the, they're talking bad about the monkey was like, at least I don't pay to live. Right. Yeah. We and, and that's the problem is we've created this system where everybody's paying someone. It's a form of neo feudalism, and we're not accepting it. But finally, people are coming to the realization that we are existing in a form of neo feudalism, and sometimes either it's the bank, or another person, or even the government that mm-hmm. take has some form of true control over your life, and it's very hard. Nine times out of ten, it's the latter two. <laughs> well and it started with railroads you know like the, yeah. the whole reason that we came over here and let that shit happen was because rich railroad guys like first governor of oklahoma needed to go lay tracks and so they would use eminent domain against the native americans or whoever and so in that instance i think that we are seeing a sea change of public opinion now, if it's just a blighted, abandoned home that could be converted to a grocery store for a company or like a city that could walk to that grocery store, okay, I understand that eminent domain. But deciding that you're going to plant a why not, big why not why 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 make it eminent domain? Why not let the people of that town vote well, on yeah, that decision? Exactly. Absolutely, and I think that's something that all of us, you know, we've talked about it. If we're going to do some sort of state initiative petition. We're not saying no eminent domain ever. It's just let there be public involvement. Let us vote. Let us let there be a 75% majority of the people who live in that community. Well, and there's a difference between using eminent domain to, you know, if you were building roads, you know, 200 years ago or whatever, and you're literally only taking a small piece of farm properties and let's say you're going between the properties so you're not like cutting people's property in half like they're trying to do now or even with what Whitney said in a small community where there's you know 
maybe there's a house that hasn't, you know, it's dilapidated and one's been living there. They don't even know who owns it anymore. Well, okay, maybe come in and use eminent domain to make that a grocery store for the whole community. But see, when the, but, but the problem is, is when those laws get put on the, on the books, you have those corrupt people that you guys have been mentioning that have been in power since day one mm-hmm. that use it to steal from good people. Well, that's because the people are not involved and the people are not holding their government accountable. And I wouldn't be right here right now if this whole thing, and and it's not even going in my house or anything. I just, I grew up on Indian Hills Road. Like this is my community. It's my family, but I wouldn't be doing this right now. (laughs) Right. Another part of the problem too, is like you said, they, you know, they get the people to vote on something, then it becomes a law. And then the legislature will quietly amend that law without anybody noticing um and they will um bring in new things that that people aren't have you guys ever thought of looking into and i know this is this is kind of far-fetched and maybe a little off off subject but not really have you guys took the time to look into the useless laws on the books in your town (laughs) i remember a teacher did this about 15 years ago and yeah there was some really silly stuff yeah and when you when you were, but you know the there is actually funding and stuff like that going towards these useless laws still somewhere in the numbers and the stuff like that and and I think a great uh, there's a lot of people in like these small towns here in Georgia and a lot in like I've seen it I've seen it really popular in Alabama there's been a group of lawyers going around that, that are going to these small towns looking through these law books and trying to help them fix a lot of the corruption by getting rid of these hundred plus year old ridiculous laws that they're only benefiting people to use in forms of corruption and stuff, you know, cause a lot of these little silly little fines, like there, there's my favorite one is down here in Georgia that I love is that I'm not allowed to give my donkey ice cream on Sundays. <laughs> and, and like, it's, it, you know, if, if the thing about it is, is what something like that is on the books is that, you know, if I was caught doing something completely else or whatever that they came to attack me for, and I happen to be feeding my donkey ice cream on that Sunday, they could still put that down in the arrest as something to charge me with. I mean, sodomy was illegal in so many states. And I remember, I think in Texas, somebody came up to a judge and said, I like did this to to my boyfriend. And the judge were like, have you guys, has anybody watched? I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> have any of y'all watched Ray's Hill? I think I know what you're talking about. Okay, it's on Hulu. It's about Molly Ivins. And what you're talking about, Louise, is I think the thing that they aired. So they had just passed this sodomy law bullshit. And it also then, can't own over six dildos or nine dildos in Texas. <laughs> That's something one. Lo- something like that but right whenever the governor like agreed to it he shakes this other guy's hand and molly ivins goes up to the microphone and she's like um excuse me i'm pretty sure you can't touch a prick to an asshole and i just saw y'all do it or something like oh, it's, Lord. it's hilarious i i highly recommend praise hell and another funny thing about texas so when texas enacted a um martin luther king holiday the Klan marched and Molly Ivins is an ACLU member. So she's like, we have to protect those idiots right to free speech. Even if what they're saying is completely, you know, completely stupid. And so all the people 
that gathered around while these stupid clan, I don't even know if it was serious or if they were just a bunch of idiots in robes, but everybody on the sideline mooned them. So you just have these, Oh, like, I think like I've seen a wave this. of asses as the clan walks by. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm telling y'all watch that show. It's on Hulu. All right. I'll make sure I, I just post. Out. I just show put posted. Yes, it is six. You cannot own six six or more dildos in Texas. <laughs> oh, you found it. Yep. Oh, <laughs> you did find it. I okay. You guys ever heard of rule of thumb? I forgot what state it is, but rule of thumb was you cannot beat your wife with anything thicker than the the thickness of your thumb. Oh my gosh! That's where it actually comes from. <clears throat> wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Huh. Yeah, I also seen you send something else about the about the housing crisis stuff there, mm-hmm. um, Luis. I want to make sure that I share that with the folks that are listening and that'll be watching and stuff. You guys know, you guys know. I'm always going to share as many links as I can. I found my limit, actually, uh, Mike. Last time, you guys actually found my limit for BitChute. <laughs> BitChute has a limit, and it cut and it and it didn't cut off any of yours. It just cut off a couple of my links there at the end, and I was just like, I didn't think I could find a limit, and I finally did. How many is it? I didn't count them. It was just, it took up a lot of space and it was like, nope, no more. But there was a lot of good information there. Like, you know, there, I spent, look, I spent a whole day thumbing through that stuff after the last episode, like just all the, the, the neat little insights that were in there and, and the different stories from the different people out there with you, where you guys are and stuff. And I think that that's, that was what was most admirable to me about the whole thing. My very first thing I seen dealing with you guys was of course, Randy. And then like a few minutes later, I found Amy's where she was going, you know, getting popping off in the meeting or whatever. And I was just like, okay, I have to talk to these people because like they're, they, they're, they're passionate about something and they're, I believe you're, you know, you're headed in the right direction with this kind of stuff. It is time for everybody in these towns and in your local communities to start, start taking things back for themselves. Like wild idea, take the time, wherever you're listening from, wherever you're watching from, take the time to look up the pop the population of your town i know most many people live in small little towns and stuff and if you take the moment to actually look up the population like i live in a town where the entire county's population is under 5000 that's not a lot of people and so when you start going around and looking you know that's that's not a lot of people to get yourself acquainted with it's we need to find that neighborly connection again and i i hate to see it be brought together over something like you guys losing everything but at the same time maybe it's a good thing that they are pushing you guys to come together in this sense because you can come together and find more of the problems that are going on in your area not just the you know the the tyranny going on with like this road situation and taking people's homes and stuff like that because I'm sure there's more in there. Like, I'm sure there's more people taking bribes for other things or other little low level, like you made mention of snucking in amendments to things where they're just like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to make sure this is a thing now. That way we can take tax money for, towards it or extort people for it, uh, you know, in a court case of, you know, a civil court case for something stupid, you know, like there's just, there's so many, so many of these little corrupt money money making laws and stuff like that on the books that I think that I think you guys are taking a big stab at it 
with going after the roads because like that's a that's a big thing that's one of the biggest arguments statists have gone back and forth with me for many years is well without governments how are roads going to exist well most of them are private you morons that's how <laughs> i mean or they were controlled by counties i mean that that's the, the yeah. big thing with oklahoma's history is the counties have a lot of control until their corruption got too out of line and then the state took over and then when the federal government and eisenhower came in you know you had that compete competing interest with this new entity OTA that has its own funding and doesn't have to follow federal rules and they can build roads to wherever they want. And I'll tell you something to look up really quick. This will make you laugh. Um, Google a guy's name. His name is Amos Switzer, A-M-O-S Switzer. And it'll, you'll see how out of, yeah. So Kansas if you go to Amos Switzer, I think there's one that's like the OK History Gateway or something. Um, look at so it wasn't just an Oklahoma problem to build unnecessary toll roads even back then. So yeah, the gateway.okhistory.org is Amos Switzer. Gateway. <clears throat> what was that one one more time uh you can type in in google you can type in amos switzer oklahoma and the very first thing will be a photograph under gateway.okhistory.org course mine is trying to bring me to ancestry family searches I don't here i'll put it i'll put it in the chat easier you know yay but, i'm trying to use that new one that you keep sent that that one that you sent me for searches there luis there i put it in the chat gibiru yeah gibiru yeah. um is if you want an alternative search engine because google has been censoring too much DuckDuckGo also censors bing censors different types of censors uh gibiru is sometimes really great for finding hidden links so this is Kansas Turnpike ending at Oklahoma's border and over 500 cars landed in this guy's field, including the governor of Wyoming. This so is wait, unorganized. It, it, it just ends. That's so good. It just ends. But the weird thing is it ends like like a, this picture is also like the, it's wet. So it has this like property to the picture and everything's perfectly level i mean oklahoma's a pretty flat state too and you just have this mad farmer who had to sell all of his cows because he kept getting in court cases because his cows were damaging people's cars like you drove into his farm <laughs> i mean people well, I remember the woman that had used apple maps and drove into almost drove into herself into a river or something she just kept following the gps i'm like you followed your gps into your death so people, I guess, even back then, just went in a straight line, went in a straight line, went in a straight line. Well, why okay. am I in the field now? Okay, now, uh, as someone who does live in the sticks myself, like we have many areas where you can see, because we do have a lot of areas that it's still county run. The state doesn't take over until you're part of like Metro Atlanta, and I'm far enough away that I'm not. And <clears throat> when you change from county to county, you'll go from a paved road to a dirt road like that without a warning like you'll and 
the, as driving a big truck around, there's many times that I'll be kind of cruising down the road, maybe a little bit gung ho more so than I should be. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh God, the road's not there. Cause it just turns into dirt. And you know, it's, it's, I mean, it still is a reality, I guess, in some places where the counties are doing it. We have a lot of, we have a lot of state prison slave labor down here for road work still. So like that, that, that's something I can prove viably. And like, there's a lot of work camps down here in Georgia period for state prisoners. And that's probably why weed is still legal. It's, oh yeah. It's the, and it's the state prisoners um, out there doing the work, not the private prisons. And we do have a couple private prisons out there, but those private prisons are, are more high profile type. They're trying to pass a bill that will exonerate all marijuana convictions nationwide. But the private prison system is fighting back because they put in clauses. I don't know if you guys have all ever heard that private prisons get a promissory note from the government saying your prisons were always be full. I don't know why that exists or why would anybody honor it except horrible criminal human beings. There's no other version of that. You're just a horrible. You're not a human anymore in my eyes when. In, when you think you have to honor a contract that says that prison needs to be full. You want me to make it the prison story way darker? <laughs> so 1926, uh, well, no, 1935 is when it happened, but 1935, Skinner versus Oklahoma, and I may be off by a year or so, but there was legislation passed that was the hereditary um multiple criminal something let me find the exact words but skinner versus they, oklahoma state arizona state university yes yeah, yeah skinner versus oklahoma so it was the habitual criminal sterilization act and anybody who had been convicted of two or more crimes that were involving moral turpitude which was like stealing chickens and guns um they could sterilize you but if you were involved in a crime like embezzlement that was different that's a rich person's crime so you're you're good Uh, So they go through all this stuff and finally the case gets settled, you know, years later, half the guys who were in the case were already dead or got out of jail or whatever, but they came down to it. And the Supreme court said, you cannot sterilize prisoners just because they've been to jail, you know, more than one time. Here's the, the really messed up part. The whole time that they're fighting about sterilizing prisoners, they were sterilizing native Americans and people who were in mental hospitals and epileptics and any person who pissed someone off enough to convince a rich person to put them in a mental institution. But 80% of the people who got sterilized until the eighties, 1980s were women. And they didn't even keep track of how many native American people got sterilized. They didn't even count. I mean, but the eugenics yeah. movement started in the United States. People think it's from Nazi Germany, but it actually started here. That's and then right. the Nazis found it interesting. And a crazy thing is like this whole, I'm not going to do it because, you know, not to have a recording of you doing it. That thing that people do is actually from the United States. We used to do it when we saluted the flag. And then yeah. the Nazis also stole that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But we were the bad guys. I mean, we also funded the Nazi party until... 1942. They were having a highway contest with the, the uh, autobahn yeah, yeah. and the superhighways. 
Uh, but the Autobahn is at least 22 inches in, in thickness, so it's a much better road. Our highways are 11, half the width, half the, and that's why they're shittier. I, I don't understand if we're going to. And they and they wait 20 years in between doing anything about them. My road, I can prove it, hasn't been paved since 2003. <laughs> it's absurd. I mean, in Puerto Rico, there's a movement where the citizens are paving the roads. That's how Domino's is paving the roads, bro. Domino's is oh, doing a great yeah, job of that and, shit. So, so a good strategy, and this is a really good tip for anybody across the country. If you have a giant hole or something like that in your neighborhood, pick up a can of, of, of spray, obviously cover yourself up and go, you know, make it sure that nobody can tell who you are and draw a giant penis. I've seen that. I see a giant penis. And I can assure you the prudence and government will suddenly fix the problem. I've seen that. I see where somebody was doing all that. problems with the roads. You know, who would have thought can right? be taken giant, so many giant ways, white penises. <laughs> Good Lord. <clears throat> Wait, gotta, like probably color it in to make sure. Don't like, get any color. ideas. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I mean, you never know. I pizza got a lot of attention from that because people liked it. It's like, I was going to actually pave my road. I'm 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 one of those guys that does odd things from time to time and for many many years <laughs> i have gone around christmas time to do some pizza delivering and stuff it makes for a little bit of extra money and i i ran a few dominoes when i was younger um that was actually like my first management job and stuff and uh, if you ever are in atlanta and you want to go see my face hanging on the corporate office of domino's wall it's there because i have yet to be i have still to this day yet to be beat in pizza speed so my face is still <laughs> hanging on that wall and <clears throat> i happen to be working there one that christmas or whatever when they started doing that road thing and like they actually brought some of those road crew trucks out into our area and fixed roads because we had badass roads and it actually caused a stink in our town because they're big into their prison system working on the roads and that apparently affected them and i think that the state of georgia actually helped demolish dismiss all the things that they were doing and that's why you haven't heard much more about it since then because it was interfering in the slave labor that we have down here but if it's not even being efficient it's it's also more criminal and that's the thing we gotta take out is realize tell everybody when they're before they go to vote and like point out to people hey this person is doing this atrocious thing of actually using the uh the 13th amendment to to really enact slavery. I mean, we already have tens of thousands of actual slaves, not in the prison system, just slaves. Mm-hmm. Like there's slaves around the world. There's more slaves today than there were in any other time in human history, over 30 million slaves. That's why they tell- get away with this stuff because we have to go to work. And God bless my husband for telling me early on, I give you permission to stop making as much money as you're making and just focus on this. Because I, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. And I think most people are like, man, I hate this government, but I've got to go to work and feed my kids. Well, well you know, I mean, you have a partner that supports you. It's wonderful. Well, I mean, that uh, is, is, is controversial as this st- next statement is going to be. I'm going to say it anyway. 
that was the basis i think in a lot of the earlier feminist movements was to get the family separated and put women in the workforce so that they could make more money off of those women and separate the family and then you don't have time for mom to be home and helping to remind dad that he needs to go to the uh the count the city council meeting that night because <laughs> joe schmo is trying to pass some stuff that's going to affect his front yard by putting a road in it if you and, look at the graph it actually shows that the, the wage growth started slowing down the moment more women entered the workforce. It, there is it, a direct correlation. I'm not saying that like we shouldn't like, like I'm backwards. not saying that we shouldn't. I'm not saying no, that we shouldn't. But the powers that be use that in their advantage yes. because the collective uh, salaries of the average individual in the United States should be closer to $35 an hour as a minimum. And then mm -hmm. we could afford all those empty homes. And then there would be barely any homeless population. Well, they wanted to shut us up. That's all it but, is. Go to work and shut up. As, as crazy <laughs> as it is, destruct, destroying, the, as they call the nuclear, the family. nuclear family, it, it has really led to all of this kind of stuff. Because again, you know, I mean, and, and again, I'm not trying to say that a woman's place is in the kitchen or anything like that. Please, nobody take that that way but like a woman, a woman or a man you know uh, bandit is a state the my co my main co-host on here he's totally a stay-at-home dad you guys and i'm jealous like he's in, in but he is like the the homemaker the family man and stuff like that and and he's he can point out these same things that i sit here and that i'm sitting we're sitting here talking about right now because i really think that when when the family was together there was more time the community was closer and stuff like that you know what i mean like you didn't have people needing needing to work let lord knows what hours just to make enough money to get back to work and maybe eat some food that week like yeah, a, it's it's crazy <clears throat> as a first world nation and an enlightened society you'd think that uh we would allow that or at least permit that to be the choice of the family if we have somebody to stay at home to make a better generation than our kids i've made that but, choice my wife stays yep. at home and homeschools our kids but here we are people are working now more than they ever have and have with less all than the luxuries of technology and, and civilization is it going for nothing mm-hmm the United States has the least amount of free uh, days in the entirety of the Western world. Yeah, thirteen days. That's all we have. Thirteen days, and we While don't the even rest have of that. The world half the time. is like thirty days, or like forty-five days, or seventy days out of the year. They nope. take siestas in Spain. Like you're supposed That's to get actually, a nap, <laughs> but you do work later. But it is a good idea because our, yeah. our circadian rhythm is actually by it's it's we are supposed to sleep technically twice a day. Yes. Oh, I've, oh, Luis, I love pointing this out. That is 100 percent true. You are totally supposed to sleep, sleep in like four hour intervals, not these long eight hour intervals that they that they talk about. We're not about. designed to do that. We're not We're designed to not do that. Like that is that's part of breaking down who we truly are. You know, when you go back in history and you look at this nuclear family, you sure you had dad and maybe the older kids and 
and stuff working out in say fields or whatever farming during the day and you know you had like you know you had like the moms and stuff like do they were in the house doing things but they were on a weird schedule because moms would get up at like three four in the morning the witching hour and do things <laughs> well, seriously though and do things for the house and such you know is like whether it be start meals or even have time to themselves where they spent that time reading and stuff you know they would do two sleeps and stuff they would just do it in an overnight fashion and you know i mean these are these are things that the the further i dig into history and the further i dig into the corruption of the modern world you can see where that simpler life on the farm with just you and your kids and your wife and maybe the couple hundred people surrounding you is is something i think more people really should strive for don't get me wrong i you and your city folk Luis, you can have your city fun but folks like me like i think that that's going to be how we that's going to be our society like we we talk all the time and there's going to be mass balkanization when america does crumble and i think so there is going to be places that are that are just going to want that simpler oh i guess older kind of laid back like old back laid back southern life without all the extra clan stuff that you've been talking about tonight it's just god <laughs> well, Jim, awful like I, Jim, Bob, don't get me wrong me i know you. it's real you know what i'm saying like let me tell you a funny story really quick because i know we're probably getting getting ready yes ma'am getting to the end but I, I was sitting here earlier and i get this phone call and i, I recognize the number so i answered it and it's my friend lashania and she's like hey i gotta ask you something and we're talking for a second and she's like so i'm sure in all your studying that you've already realized that black rock is connected to the asphalt and the concrete and the Koch brothers. And I'm like, no, I hadn't made that connection yet. And she's like, well, just pay attention. Cause it's all about the mafia. And the same time the mafia went down under the covers was the same time eminent domain and impact laws kind of formed here in Oklahoma. So that's not why I called, but, I was just gonna let you know. <laughs> and then we just go into this whole other conversation. I'm like, what is my life? <laughs> I mean, it is true. Even in New York City, the, the <laughs> mafias, they just went to Wall Street. That's actually where the true shift occurred. And you could say Giuliani probably was part of that process, but it did lower crime collectively. But what really occurred in many places all over the country is they realized, wait, we can just do it this another way. And they I mean, changed, listen, they changed their names. A lot of them I changed know. their names. I know some, I know some people in the Mencini family from New York. And that's like crazy scary on the side of Buffalo when you get to talking to people because they claim that that name disappeared back in the 60s but it didn't they just changed their name mm -hmm. like you you start realizing hide their wealth and that's yes. the thing it's like yes. there's people in New York that own like 50 100 buildings you wouldn't have a clue that well first of all I remember my friends were talking to one he's like I'm not that rich it's not like I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm making all that money in my account and they were both looking at our like Bitch, what? <laughs> you, you, what? Because <laughs> the thing is, like, to them, and this is, a, she's, oh, so I think she's almost a billionaire. She was like hundreds of millions of dollars. To them, they're not rich. Because what people don't understand is the absolute richest people on the planet are so ungodly rich that they are like the olden days of the king and queens, but they have way more money than what people publicly believe. And like the politicians, 
many of them have way more money than what they are publicly shown to have. Uh, Blanco Bloomberg is a perfect example. When he became mayor, it was like four billion. When he left, it was 60 billion. It's not that he magically made all that money is that he slowly had to declare it before he got screwed over by somebody saying this guy's hiding money. And he just slowly declared his actual net worth, which is around 60 billion. So he spent three hundred million dollars in the election. And to him, three hundred million dollars. It's it's nothing. It's like you spending 100 bucks, probably less than that. It's probably less than you spending $100 is the context of the power these people have to run to go run for president. I mean, I mean, you really want to get dramatic with it. Like $100 kind of means something to me. I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that might blow a 20 real quick, but like <laughs> you asked me to blow $100 on something and I might actually be hesitant because I'm, I mean, I'm I mean, a goat farmer, bro. Like that's, I'm a goat farmer that has a podcast and that all costs me money. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's all an expense. So, the liability. <laughs> really, I mean, at the end of the day, but but you know, this guy, you know, guys, this has been great. I'm glad to bring up some of these points that you guys brought up this evening, and I, I want to implore people to not only look at that in you know more in Oklahoma if that's where you guys are, because I know a few of you have uh, reached out. I'll give a shout out there to Stephen, who's uh, been out there reaching out to me about it, because he, apparently he's close to you guys, and this is affecting him too. So, you know, um, you know, I'm I. I I want people to look at their own town, take a look, because I know there's listeners all over this country and watchers all over this country, and I want you guys to look into your own town and see what kind of crooked road stuff is going on. And that that link that she shared, that Whitney shared back towards the beginning of the episode, I'm, I want to make sure that I get that out there for you guys to uh, check out, because that it does look like folks out there working on projects and stuff to... Uh, maybe do some stuff about some of this stuff because there's I, I'm not joking when I tell you that the interstate was a military operation. I not only do I have, you know, other guys on the show that I know will back me up, but you I'll share the link to to show you guys. Like this is there's truth to this. And I think that I think that we need to dig further into these situations and come together, I guess, as as a people in your community. I know I know across the country is implausible i i I truly believe one blanket blanket government over the country is is ridiculous anyway because everyone has different worldviews different ways they want to do things and i think we really can all get along if we just focus on these problems instead of the ridiculous problems like what color our skin is or what where we eat for dinner or what kind of cultural backgrounds we have like those are reasons to come together like as someone who's traveled the world like i love learning about other people and other people's cultures and one thing i have found that is the same throughout all of it is that we all just want at the end of the day all of us just want somewhere we can lay our heads safe and a full belly and i think the best way we can do that is to come together on means like this and calling out your local politician show up to your council city meetings and stuff like that you you totally can do these things these people have to show their face in public and being a public servant they definitely can't censor your speech be cordial about it as i've always told people find a way to uh tell someone to go fuck themselves in such a way that they look forward to it like (laughs) <laughs> there, there's there's ways to do it you know you've just got to be very cordial in the way that you carry yourself like there's 
there's always a way to be nice in the way you're doing it. So I do appreciate you guys coming on this evening. If there's anything else, you know, you guys ever want to come on or when you ever, ever have some updates and stuff, you guys, please make sure you let me know. Mike, I appreciate you reaching out and bringing these two lovely ladies this evening to explain, you know, their research and stuff into all of this, because it definitely does all tie together. <clears throat> you got anything else you guys would like to add before we get ready to head out? Do you like to plug anything where we can find you guys and stuff like that? Uh, well, you can find us at uh, www.pikeoffota.com. That's where we'll put up all of our updates and our ongoings. You can sign up for our newsletter. Um, and I regularly feel like the dumbest person in the room when I'm around these folks. And it's, uh, it's, it's a sign that you're doing something Pike, right. Pike off OTA. <laughs> yeah. We have, we have merch, uh, which 100% of the proceeds go to fighting this this turnpike and the uh, and all the turnpikes will come after it um and you know if i would if i could i've got you know my, my favorite quote um from the worst journey in the world which you know a book uh by i think it's pronounced absolutely cherry gerard uh about an expedition to the south pole and he says that uh you know we traveled for science those three small embryos from cape crozier that weight of fossils from Barkley Island and that mass material less spectacular, but gathered just as carefully hour by hour in wind and drift, darkness and cold was striven for in order that the world may have a little more knowledge that it may build on what it knows instead of what it thinks. And I think those are words that we could all live by. I think the world would be a better place if we did. Absolutely. No, I, I, I think that was very well put. And I appreciate you for sharing it on here. Of course, you guys know I will share all those links and everything that we've talked about this evening because I try to I try to make sure you guys can find all these fabulous people that I just happen to run across. And even Luis. I've been sharing Luis's <laughs> stuff because I want you guys to go back and find him too because he's totally going to get his show together and probably not want to hang out with me anymore. So, you know, we've got to enjoy him while we've got him. So, <clears throat> but you guys, you know, I, I do appreciate you. And, if, you know, I can't end without, uh, without making everybody laugh. So, uh, why can't pirates learn the alphabet? What you got? Nothing, nothing? Because they spend years at sea. Good night, everyone. <laughs>